Hi, and welcome to the first ever episode of Chasing Dublin. We'll talk about everything literature in Dublin and celebrate the city that we love and call home. My first guest is Ashling Alira, who is heavily involved in the amateur theater scene in Dublin. A few weeks ago, I saw her in a rendition of Charles Dickens's Great Expectations and knew that I had to talk to her and pick her brain a little. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. Um, hi, Ashling. Thanks so much for talking to me today. You're very welcome. Um, so I guess starting off, um, do you want to talk about how you got involved in theater and Great Expectations? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess growing up, uh, I watched a lot of plays. My aunt used to bring me to see a lot of plays at a very young age. Uh, so I was always heavily interested in the stage and in the idea that we as people can create different characters and take on their life story, even briefly, if it's just for a few months of rehearsing and then actually putting the performance in front of an audience. And I guess coupled with that as a child, uh, I used to love reading. I was uh, hardcore into reading books, so I was a member of numerous libraries. Um, and I suppose that opened up the world of creativity to me and um, really developed my imagination. So I think those two things coupled together is how I got my interest in theatre um, and how I eventually, as I got older when I was in university, decided to try out for a play. So I do think literature and the world of books um, had a strong role in influencing that. Um, and then, so I guess I moved to Dublin uh, a few years ago where I continued my interest in, in acting and I focused more particularly on classic plays. So I used to live in Phibsborough, but I travelled out to Bilali to join the Bilali players to do Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. And I played Lydia Bennett in that. Um, and I would have studied that book in school as well. So I, I was heavily interested in, I suppose, becoming part of the story and going back into that world. Um, and I suppose that really kind of further developed my interest in classical stories. Um, so when I saw that the Bilali players were doing Great Expectations, I was really, really interested in, in auditioning for it. And I hadn't actually read the book. I just knew all the classic characters. So I was very fortunate to be cast in, I suppose, the iconic role of, of Miss Havisham, uh, at which point I sat down to read the book. And then I, I actually really, uh, I suppose understood uh, how lucky I was to, to take on such a, a well-known character and to try and bring life to her incredibly layered and complex story. And um, what did you channel when you were uh, playing Miss Havisham? Because I, I saw your um, rendition of it and my first thought was like the corpse bride from uh, Tim Burton, but it was very intense and yeah. Um, yeah, well, like, I suppose it's interesting that you say that because um, in the book, Dickens actually refers to Miss Havisham's grave-like clothes and he refers to her veil being like a shroud. And there's just so much fantastic imagery in the book of how the house that she hasn't left since she was jilted at the altar has fallen to rack and ruin and it's, it's just falling to pieces and crumbling around her. Um, so, it, it, God, I, I suppose she was really challenging because... There are so many conflicting uh, adjectives you could use to describe her situation. I suppose she's mysterious and she's eccentric. Uh, she's vengeful and cruel. But at the core for me, I think the most important aspect of her that I tried to bring out in my interpretation of her was that she's heartbroken. And of course, the reason she is all of those things, cruel, eccentric, mysterious, is because she actually had her heart broken and she's ended up reacting to that uh, 
quite severely and that she's decided to lock herself up into the house, leave her wedding dress on, leave the wedding cake as is. She has this fantastic idea in her mind that she will be laid dead on this wedding table that she has in place in one of her rooms. And I mean, it's such a severe reaction to having her heart broken, although her heart was broken in tragic circumstances. So I guess for me, in my long-winded answer to your question, I guess for me, like, the most important thing was to show all the elements of her personality, but to really delve into the heartbreak, because I feel if you don't understand her heartbreak, then you don't understand why she's cruel, why she's vengeful, uh, mysterious and eccentric. And also, I really think that if the audience didn't see her heartbreak, they don't feel sorry for her when she realizes that she has created essentially a monster in Estella and set the path that Estella will walk down, which is the idea is that Estella will eventually become Miss Havisham. And so in a sad way, it's like Miss Havisham is having her heart broken again by Estella when Estella rejects her and says, I'm cold, I have no heart. Um, it's a heart of ice because of how you have nurtured me, reared me and how you have I suppose had me under such a tight rein and manipulated me to treat men in such a cruel and callous way. So I think the heartbreak was really key for me. I felt that if the audience didn't empathize with her, then, you know, I wouldn't have done justice to the part or I suppose to maybe how Dickens wanted her to be portrayed as well. So. Um, and speaking, speaking of the heartbreak, um, the rendition that you were a part of um, ended with the first ending that Dickens had written which ended in heartbreak and like um, Estella walking away mm. um, so what were your thoughts on that to not go for the happy ending? Yeah very interesting because uh, I guess I'd been cast in the play and I'd read the script and then I read the book uh, and of course the script actually we had probably even went a bit further uh, than the book but it was uh, the, the unhappy ending um, and I, I, I looked it up afterwards and saw that I think so many people were kind of in uproar in a sense at the unhappy ending that he slightly tweaked it but it is still up in the air yeah. but, but one the positive person who wants the happy ending can possibly imply it in that other ending I mean for me yeah I mean the the happy go lucky kind of person that I am part of me would have liked a happy ending another part of me thinks that the way he constructed the book, it was probably doomed to always end um, in despair, in a sense. And also another part of me thinks that we all kind of need to remind ourselves that the harsh reality is, is that there isn't always a happy ending, unfortunately. Um, so I suppose I've conflicted views. I think as a piece of theatre, it's very gripping when it ends in that kind of bleak, dismal picture of Estella standing there saying that she's going to take a child and you know, I will save her from what happened to me in the, in the stage adaptation. We had, she mirrored a line that Miss Havisham used talking about Estella when Estella was a baby. And I think that was really powerful. Um, so I guess in a way for, for strong theatrical point of view, I think it's a great ending. Uh, but then, you know, the happy ending is often sought in these kind of stories yeah. as well. So uh, I'm conflicted really. <laughs> and from your experience of working in theater in Dublin, um, what would you say is the best part and like what is the reception usually like and what's the scene like essentially? Yeah, the Dublin theatre scene I suppose is really interesting. There are so many different groups um, that focus on different things. You know, there's, there's a Shakespeare society that predominantly focuses on, you know, the works of William Shakespeare. Um, musical societies 
and then you'll just have your straight up theatre groups that want to do you know plays and I've kind of been involved in all of them um, it's a really great community uh, you meet really nice people I think when I first moved to Dublin I found it kind of um, hard to settle in the city and I think actually being involved with the theatre groups helped me feel like I have a second family here and I have a sense of kind of home here now um, so I feel deeply rooted to Dublin at this point um, but the theatre scene is fantastic and the amateur theatre scene is amazing you know the Mill Theatre um, in Dundrum in particular puts on really great pieces uh, so it's been a great experience I suppose to get to know people and to have the opportunity to do plays by fantastic playwrights like Shakespeare like John Millington Singh, Austin Dickens um, and I suppose try to do justice to the words that they put to paper mm -hmm. all those years ago <laughs> yeah and uh what would you say uh this is kind of an open-ended question but like what would you say is your relationship how how would you view a relationship to dublin knowing it's like rich history with literature and you said literature was a big part of your life growing up so what are your thoughts on that yeah i think dublin has a fantastic scene literature wise just culture wise music theater um, there's always, it just amazes me, you could walk along the city centre and come across some really incredible things. Like there is um, this place on, uh, it's, it's on Lincoln Place, so it's in the city centre called Sweeney's Pharmacy. Um, and it's just incredible. It closed down as a pharmacy about a decade ago, but when you walk in, it has some of the old bottles of medicine up it has all these old pictures and it's after being converted into a secondhand bookstore and it also has some arts and crafts in there and it's run by volunteers 100% run by volunteers and every day they give recitations from the works of James Joyce mm -hmm. in particular from Ulysses uh, I guess because in Ulysses he references this pharmacy and he references who I believe was the head pharmacist at the time uh, and it's just those little gems that are just scattered around the city. I just find it incredible. And Dublin just really does have such a strong, strong history of literature. And actually, I was in a play about a decade ago, written by Colm Tobin, who actually predominantly writes novels. You know, he wrote, he wrote Brooklyn and a lot of other well-known pieces. But this is the one play he's ever written called Beauty in a Broken Place. And it's really interesting because it's about the riots that happened in the Abbey when the Plough and the Stars was first staged there. And of course, you know, that was a massive part of the history of Dublin and of there being a conflict with, I suppose, literature and, you know, greater questions of what was happening in society at the time. Um, so look, I mean, in my long-winded answer to your question, I, again, I guess Dublin does really have a rich history and there's so much to see and explore. And I think if people ever have kind of a Saturday or Sunday where they're looking for something to do, particularly on a rainy day in Ireland, which can happen quite a bit, honestly, go out and explore. It's, it's just amazing the things that you can find. Like Dublin is fantastic for that. Yeah. And uh, well, I'm going to wrap up because we've been talking for a while. But um, you, said, you mentioned Sweeney's Pharmacy. Is there one other place that you would definitely recommend to the listeners? that they should go to? Yeah, rather than a place, uh, more an activity, but it is literature based. So interestingly, there's, um, there's a, a literary based pub crawl in Dublin uh, and it goes around to various pubs in Dublin that have literary significance. And I suppose the tour guides are also actors and they bring you around and they explain why this pub has literary significance. Um, and then often what they do is they'll recite from the various 
playwrights or writers or authors who have a connection with that pub. So like they'll recite the likes of Beckett, Ivan Boland, uh, W.B. Yeats. So that's a really interesting, fun thing to do where you can, I suppose, have a real social element. You can bring your friends along, but also you can learn a bit more about literature and literature in Dublin and then also get to see you know some of Dublin's nice pubs along the way so it's a it's a win-win-win perfect well thank you so much for talking to me today I really appreciate your time and I'm sure everybody listening is going to learn something from this so thank you so much and we'll see you guys next week for the next episode of Chasing Dublin